0: Jerry once again with a fine musical selection to begin the morning. Good morning. My name is Brett McGarry, and he is Greg Macklin. Good morning, Greg.
1: Good morning, Brett. I thought maybe that was a bad karaoke rendition of Ruby Tuesday. I love that song. You may have ruined it for me forever, Jerry. Thanks a lot. That's the Stones, man. Holy man. That is not very good. The vocals (laughs) are terrible. (laughs) I guess I've never listened to that song in headphones before. (laughs) You just never listened all that closely? No. Well, that's kind of a downer. All right. All right, then. The weather forecast is not a downer for today, at least. Where are we supposed to get to today? Are we getting to four or five? What are we saying?
0: Uh, We are calling for a high of three degrees.
1: My phone is insisting that it's going to seven today.
0: I'm just double-checking now because yesterday on my phone, I have two weather apps on my phone. I have AccuWeather and the Weather Network. And let's just see if the AccuWeather what they're calling for. So today AccuWeather is calling for eight degrees, mm-hmm. it says rather
1: cloudy and windy. Yes, that always seems to be coincide, right? When you get a warm temperature, we never get just like eight degrees and sunny with no wind. It's going to be a mix of wind and probably some cloud because it's a fast moving system because we have risk of freezing rain and snow overnight tonight.
0: Yeah, and then then I'm just looking at the weather network to see what they're saying. And they are calling for six degrees. All right. Today. So we've got a high of three that we're calling for. And oh and let's just check what Environment Canada (laughs) is calling for. Seventeen
1: degrees at the airport.
0: No, they're calling for a high of three as well. So we're in line with Environment Canada. All right. (laughs) Well, who knows, right?
1: (laughs) It's all over the map. It's all over the map. Either way above zero. Right. And that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good place to be. Speaking of all over the map and the airport, I was um, uh, in the car with my buddy Steve on Saturday afternoon, and he's kind of an aviation geek. And he goes, look at that plane. It's really low. And what's it doing way over here? We were in the north northeast corner of the city, perimeter in 59. Okay. This uh, plane was very, very low. And so as soon as we got back to his house, he looked it up on his app. There's this app that can track basically any flight that's above you. Really? Yeah. It's been around for a long time, and it showed this really bizarre path. It took a kind of this north of Winnipeg and then jade back around to the airport. And it was maybe, Steve figures it was very low, like 2,000 feet. Super low. Oh, my God. So we're like, what the heck's going on? Then this news story comes along. British men won't face charges after flight diverts to Winnipeg. The RCMP confirmed that five British men who were removed from a Thomas Cook Airlines flight that diverted to Winnipeg on the weekend have been released without charges. Well, if you look at the flight information for this flight, same time. Okay. So this flight that was low over the northeast corner of Winnipeg was actually coming from Mexico. They clearly had to adjust their flight plan based on this emergency landing that this Thomas Cook plane made from Great Britain on its way to Las Vegas.
0: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, the men had been on a flight from Manchester to Las Vegas Saturday morning when the airline said the crew landed the plane in Winnipeg due to some passengers' disruptive behavior. RCMP took the men off the aircraft in handcuffs and arrested them for mischief and causing a disturbance. A video posted on the Daily Mail's website shows passengers cheering and some of the men swearing as police and border security officers removed them from the plane And uh, no immediate word if they'll face arrest when they return to the UK. And then the plane continued on from Winnipeg to Vegas later Saturday afternoon.
1: Huge plane. Big, big plane. Full of people. I didn't know that was a thing for people from Great Britain to go to Las Vegas for bachelor parties and such. Clearly it is. Yeah. That seems like a long way to go. Wouldn't you just go to Ibiza or go to Portugal or somewhere Nice in France or something like that? I I, I guess American culture, we know how far-reaching it is, but to imagine that that's a thing in Great Britain to go to Vegas for a bachelor party?
0: It's a 10-hour and 20-minute flight. Oh, I'm just looking Manchester to Vegas, 10 hours and
1: 20 minutes. But you know what? Now that I think about it and talk about it out loud, they built an extended runway up in Kamloops, BC at uh, Sun Peaks is the ski resort in Kamloops because people would fly direct from Japan into Sun Peaks, into Kamloops for like three days of skiing. And we'd have the Germans up at, uh, at Silver Star. We'd have German tourists that would come skiing for four days at Silver Star. I'm like... Aren't the Alps right there? (laughs) But it's very expensive to go skiing. And back in the uh, late 90s, just with the disparity between the euro and Canadian money and the yen and Canadian money, it actually made more sense for Asian tourists and for European tourists to come to Canada than to stay in their own countries and either golf and or ski. That's Fascinating, yeah, crazy stuff.
0: So, yeah, well, Vegas. I mean, I guess it, it's in Sin it's City, Vegas, baby. the reputation follows it around the world. I always wanted to go to Ibiza, uh, that's the this is that's in Spain, right? It's a Spanish island, yeah, I believe. So,
1: so, this is supposed to be like the party capital of everywhere.
0: Yeah, I think it has the biggest nightclubs in the world, they hold something like 15,000 people. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's basically going to Bell MTS Place, but it's a nightclub instead For of a, in a re- party, yeah, yeah. A foam party. <laughs> a foam party. Yeah,
1: that... Uh, <clears throat> you ever been to a phone party? Once. Where? Mexico. Same. Probably the same bar in Mazatlan <laughs> that you went to a phone party. <laughs> Mundo Banana. <laughs> nah. In Mazatlan, just outside the... Uh, what is that? What do they call that? The... Uh, the uh, tourist zone or the, the golden triangle or whatever they call it there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We tried to go back there. It's actually on the same week because we were there during spring break, which happened to coincide with Easter break. Okay. And so people from Guadalajara and from the inland in Mexico were starting to come into Mazatlan and it changed overnight from where you could get into a nightclub for about a $30 US cover charge and drink all you wanted until midnight. Thursday before, all these barriers started showing up. The Fed were there en masse. It changed overnight. And the nightclub that we were at on either the Tuesday or Wednesday, when we tried to go back on the Wednesday or Thursday, we tried to get in, and the bouncer said... Amigo, I could let you in there, but you're not getting out. <laughs> because, yeah, because it was all Mexicans, and he said it'd be very dangerous for us to go into the bar as tourists. Wow! Even though we'd been there the night before. Jeez.
0: Yeah, that's so. They have like tourist
1: nights. I, I guess. think so. I think so. Over that uh, point in time, and then it just completely changed over Easter break in Mazatlán, and uh, well. We know what's going on in Mexico now. Things have changed dramatically in the last two decades there. That's for sure. Yeah, that's scary.
0: So, uh, yeah, it makes me want think about where I would want to go next for a vacation like
1: that. Find the glass, cherry, providing the outstanding tunage and um, an online petition to change the name of the Sweet Jesus Ice Cream Shop calls the branding both blasphemous and offensive to Christians, but as Global uh, global News' Jamie Maracher reports, the founders say the name is all in good fun and isn't going anywhere.
2: Known to many for their long lines and crazy cone creations, popular Toronto ice cream shop Sweet Jesus is now gaining some attention for its name. Does the name offend you in any way? Why or why not?
3: Uh, no, it doesn't at all. No, not at
4: all. The name doesn't really offend me too much.
2: But for others, it's leaving a bad taste in their mouths. Sweet Jesus is all about trashing Christianity, reads this online petition to get rid of the title. Choosing the name of our Lord for a brand of soft serve ice cream is totally offensive and revolting. According to Sweet Jesus' founders, that's not the intention. In a statement to Global News, Andrew Richmond says the name was created from the popular phrase that people use as an expression of joy, surprise or disbelief. And it's a name, he adds, they aren't going to change. Branding expert Paul B. says that's a smart decision, especially now.
0: There are going to be certain groups who have never heard of this company before who will now be totally aware of it, and next time they see it, they go, oh,
5: I'm going to go visit that shop, I heard about them.
2: Adding while Sweet Jesus may have missed the mark with some... You
5: can't please everybody, and by creating a little bit of noise, you get a lot of free
6: press.
2: Bringing in paying customers.
5: Text,
6: I think it's lighthearted. It's not meant to poke fun at any particular uh, religion, so I, I don't see any, uh, any uh, harm with some, uh, some fun.
2: Hitting a marketing sweet spot.
1: So, in a few moments, we're going to gather the, the group of us. We're going to have coffee and talk about whether or not this is an appropriate name for any business. Brett, I know you have some thoughts on this. I've got some thoughts of my own. Do we want to preempt some of our discussion with the group well, here? No, let's, wanna... have,
0: uh, let's have a quick chat here about this because the, well, first of all, I, I, this gave me the idea uh, I have to go run some errands after work and then I'm going to go to the bridge drive-in. <laughs> Cause as soon as we started, it as is soon open. as you told me about this, uh, I thought, well, now I need to have some ice cream today. Um, they... I understand what they're where they're going with this. There are some some of the imagery that you see in this global news story. the the T of sweet Jesus is represented in some cases with an un, upside down cross. So that I'm not particularly cool with because that's a that's a the connotation with that symbol it's it's never used in a good way, even in the in light humor. I think that that's a bit far. And I think they even realized that it looks like that's maybe what their logo used to be uh, because they, the only spot that I saw it was on one of those, you know, those, those signs that you put out sandwich in the sidewalk. Sandwich Thank you. Sandwich board. Yeah. Um, but the logo on their Instagram, the logo on their website, the logo on their spoons just has a regular T. But the S in Jesus is like a a lightning bolt, and as one person likened it to an SS-style S, which is not particularly cool. But it's also the kind of S that often gets used in metal, I think, of Twisted Sister, for example. Which, side note, my mom's baseball team in uh, Transcona Ladies Slow Pitch League is uh, the Twisted Sisters. Anyway, that's just a random sidebar. <laughs> Hello to the Twisted Sisters. But uh, so I don't know that I mind the S so much. The upside down cross I, I have a problem with. And it's not because I'm religious. I'm not religious. I just think that if you're going to, there's there's humor and then there's crossing the line. And I think that crosses the line. But I have no problem with the name, particularly for the the reasoning. They say we went with this name because it's meant, it's that thing that you say when you're excited, when you're happy, when you take that, that first bite and you go, mmm, sweet, and then
1: you say that. So I'm okay with that? You don't even like say, you were you even uncomfortable to say the phrase that they're playing off that this company is using as the name of their
4: business. Well,
0: in that particular Context, yeah. If I were to just say the name of the shop is Sweet Jesus, I'm okay. But if I'm in that sort of outburst, I don't know that I'm. Yeah, you're right. I'm not comfortable saying that. So on if the air.
1: you're uncomfortable with it, imagine people who are of faith, how uncomfortable they are with them using this terminology and using this as the name of their business. Well, I, I totally understand why they they would be upset. And
0: if you are. Uh, person of faith, if you're a Christian, please feel free to weigh in on this. You can send us a text at 204-780-6868. You can email Greg, Gmac at cjob.com, Mac like a Mac truck, G-M-A-C-K at cjob.com, or brett at cjob.com, that's B-R-E-T-T
1: at cjob.com. Having coffee, talking, the sweet Jesus ice cream have, an inappropriate name, as you heard in our previous segment, a Toronto-based ice cream chain is sprinkled in controversy. There are some people who find the name of the of the sweet shop to be offensive. So today we're having talking, do you think this is an inappropriate name? And Brett has weighed in on that in our previous segment. Uh, Jeff Braun, why don't we start with you? Uh, go ahead, name it whatever you like. If people don't like it, they
5: won't show up there. It's not illegal, is it? Not if it was illegal. illegal the sign wouldn't be up. Then go for it. People, people will uh, come in or ignore it as they see fit. I wouldn't do it.
7: <laughs> do you wouldn't
5: call You wouldn't name it, Sweet Jesus. No. Why not? Just it's a dumb name for a store. It doesn't tell you that they sell ice cream there. <laughs> if anything, it tells you that it sells. uh, do you know, know like lickable Bibles that taste good. <laughs> If you heard the phrase, sweet Jesus, which is is
1: your first thought, ice cream? No, not in any way, shape or form. But I tell you what, they're getting as much publicity now as they've ever had. And I don't know if that's the goal or not. But Does the uh,
6: the name Baskin Robbins tell you that they sell ice cream? Good point.
1: Uh, Good point. The voice of reason there, Jerry Richardson. Kelly?
8: I don't find anything offensive about it at all. Uh, if anything, I guess the connection I would make is if there was probably a day of the week that you might pop in for some ice cream, uh, uh, you know, on a day in the park, it would be on a Sunday. So. I don't know. Maybe there's a connection there. But other than that, I mean, come on, people. There are bigger problems in the world to deal with. Yeah, the name, in my mind, isn't that big of a deal,
1: Chanelie, But it is, Brett referenced, that in some of their older logos, we're not exactly sure. But in at least one depiction of the name on their sandwich board... Uh, In a story that we saw with the visuals from uh, global television, uh, the T in sweet was an inverted or an upside down cross. And Mm. I think if you're going to make the argument that sweet Jesus is just a terminology that those that are practicing Christians or otherwise just use in their everyday lives, and it's just a turn of phrase, I don't know how wise it is to use some sort of religious symbol in your marketing, I, I think you're contradicting yourself a little bit, Channalee?
9: Um Yeah, and I actually did see the the upside down cross for the tea. It doesn't seem to be on their website now, but I but I did a like a Google image search. I saw uh, I, it. It's pretty tacky. But the thing is, if you go to the website and you see what kind of ice cream creations they have, it's very outlandish, very over the top. The ice cream cones with cotton candy. Sticking out and and just crazy wild things. So to me, this is kind of a a company that is over the top and is welcoming the controversy and welcoming that conversation. So they're doing that to stir things up.
1: It's outlandish and <laughs> for sure in a lot of people's eyes. Jerry, do you, do you have a do you have a take on this one? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it whatsoever.
6: And I I'm a guy who was was raised very Anglican. I mean, I was I was. Uh, I did my confirmation when I was 12. I was uh, in the youth group until I was about uh, 17. I was in the church choir until I went to to college. I have no issue with this whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Upside Down Cross maybe is a a bit much, but as far as the name goes, I think it's a great name. Uh, And, I mean, if if you think about it, uh, how many people down uh, in Latin countries are named Jesus? I
1: mean, that's Jesus, right? Right no and that's fair and it, yeah. and it, and, it, and i think it's trying to convey an emotion i just know that i'm as secular as they come and so in terms of the In terms of the religious depiction, I try to be very respectful uh, just because it's not, none of it's going to ever have an effect on me. I just, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with the name. I have to be honest about it. And in particular, I I am. Yeah. Yeah. It it bothers me a little bit because I don't use, I try not to use that word singularly to express myself in excitement or anger because I know it bothers other people. For me, it's just a word. Mm -hmm. um, And, and, And so, but I know it means a lot to other people. And so respectfully, I try not to use that terminology. And I go back in my restaurant days, uh, we had a product on uh, the menu at one of the restaurants I worked at. It was called Quadruple Chocolate Suicide Cake. Okay. Okay. We had someone complain about the name because her son had... Uh, ended his own life, and they asked us to reconsider the name of that dessert, and after a contemplation, it was taken off. Uh, that name, that word, uh, that name of the dessert probably didn't offend 99% of people, but it did bother that one potential customer, and I think that sometimes you have to take that into account, whether it's one or 10 million how much does it mean to you in order to 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 keep and express yourself the way you want
0: just looking at their Instagram feed here, or there is an there is a post on Instagram from someone uh, just two months ago, and they're in one of the Sweet Jesus locations because there are many in Ontario. There's one coming to uh, West Edmonton Mall, and there's one in. But the only American location is in Baltimore.
8: Not don't don't mentioned anything about Winnipeg at all. No, there's no Winnipeg. Uh, uh, no one loca- could compete with the BDI anyway.
9: <laughs> so, so clearly, other, all these other places don't have a problem with the name. Yeah.
0: Um, and, in, and there is indeed right in the store, there's the, the, the lightning bolt S and the inverted cross on the wall. So it, it does appear to be imagery that they're still using. We have a text message here that, that makes an interesting point as well. If it was called Sweet Allah, just imagine, or someone made the reference, if it was Sweet Muhammad,
8: mm-hmm.
0: uh, there'd be, a, there'd be serious uproar, um, because I know that you, you would that's taken very seriously. So any thoughts on that?
6: That's not even an expression that people use every day
0: though. I'm it's not, not an expression, no, but if you if you if they, let's say, okay, fine, the not sweet a lot, but if they were to incorporate that somehow into the name of the shop, there'd be offense taken to that, I would imagine.
5: Potentially. Blasphemy is weighted differently among different religions, to some degree, at least in society now.
1: Well, you're not even, as far as uh, my understanding goes, you're not even allowed to depict in any way, shape or form Muhammad. uh, That's right. So uh, that that sounds like extreme blasphemy would be in play if
8: you were to go down that road. I don't know any... Business person that does not want to uh, go out of business uh, in a very exactly. short time frame <laughs> is going to bring on that kind of of reaction for themselves. Though I mean, Understood. the whole yeah, you know, the whole idea of going into business is to be successful at yeah, it. Yeah, nobody hires and, a guy
5: to stand by the door and slap customers as they come in, right?
8: Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: my, <laughs>
5: there are restaurants
8: that you can go to though where they, yeah. they
0: treat you poorly. Yeah. Well, uh, was, that's part of the gimmick.
8: I remember uh, in my traveling days going to this one place in San Antonio. I can't remember. It was like Dave's was in the name of it, but their whole shtick was to be as insulting to you as possible.
0: Yeah. Oh, I've all. been there. Yeah, and, and it's it, it, a lot it, of fun. There's a place in Vegas it, that has that too.
8: Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. But you know, to, to get back to the sweet Jesus ice cream store franchises. They can't pay for this kind of publicity. Oh, that there's no question right about that. And and so I I think the proof will be with respect to the level of offense will be the level of success they enjoy as a result of this marketing campaign. And when you know it, it's just about Easter weekend too. So there's another connection there.
9: And, and you know, there's probably a lot of people who have never heard of Sweet Jesus Ice Cream, and now until. They, yeah, until now. And then they go they go look at the website, and they were like, they were like.
0: Looks pretty good, doesn't they're it? They're like, uh. okay,
9: I get the name, I understand that, and that, and uh, seeing all those crazy ice cream creations, and they're like, okay, well, next time I'm in one of these cities, I have to go check this out. I have to make a point to go there. Wow. So, so yeah, it is the like the best advertising.
0: Yeah. You can let us know what your what you think. Two oh four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight is the number to text. You can email Brett at CJOB com or GMAC at CJOB dot com. We do have a text here that reads, I'm a Christian, and to make a point quick and simple, as offensive as the statement, i.e. the Lord's name in vain. Maybe to many believers, we can't expect people who don't believe to be held to the same standards as us. That being said, would Jesus want a news report about how people are using his name in vain? Or would he want people to be offended that the children he loves are dying by the 10,000s from starvation every day? That's what should offend us. That being said, I just think the name is stupid.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, by the way, is there any name of a business out there in Winnipeg that is offensive? That I would be kind of curious to see, or or even controversial. Let's not make it offensive. Let's just make it controversial. Be interested if any of the listeners uh, have come across a business or a store name that. Really struck them the wrong way. 780 6868.
1: You can text that to us uh, by all means, gmack at cgob.com or brat at cgob.com by email.
0: Shanley Vidal, Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, and behind me, Glass Jerry. I'm your high
4: street mate, stop you when I'm passing by. I'm your high street mate, stop you when I'm passing by. They say all my
1: flavors are guaranteed satisfied. Well,
0: clearly that's a song written by a Winnipegger. I would imagine. Where'd you dig that up from, Jerry? I've had that one for
6: years. I don't know where it came from.
0: Oh, just hanging in, uh, just, just in case, your rainy day fund of uh, audio. That's right. Well, it's fitting because the snow slowly melting away, which means pothole season is here. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg
1: Mackling. Yeah, it's a rite of passage. It's a rite of spring. I remember when we had that big snowfall a few weeks ago, people were like, yeah, it's snowing in Winnipeg. Give us some news. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, just because it happens doesn't mean we don't talk about it. And just because we know the potholes are coming doesn't mean we have to like it and doesn't mean we have to sit back and allow the roads to crumble beneath our wheels. The city is fighting back, and Global News reporter Christian O'Mel checks in with the city to see how their never-ending mission to fill all the potholes is going.
10: Driving in Winnipeg in the spring is kind of like playing Mario Kart and trying to avoid banana peels, constantly weaving and dodging, trying to make sure your car doesn't vanish into a gaping pothole. There are notorious trouble spots around the city. Perhaps the worst is Empress Street. Let's take a quick trip, shall we? My apologies for putting the U-Drive Car Rental News Cruiser through that trauma. Addressing potholes is a round-the-clock mission for city crews who are out patching holes as we speak. But what they're doing right now is not for good, as I learned from Ken Allen with the city's Public Works Department.
6: We do this patching with the understanding that we're going to be going back potentially two, three times. Especially on a busy street, it's a main route. Right carries a lion's share of the traffic. So we want to make keep those main routes in a nice, clear, drivable condition.
10: I met with Ken on Weston Road by Pacific Avenue, where crews were busy filling holes, along with Acting Manager of Street Maintenance Cheryl Anderson.
11: We have the freeze-thaw cycle. As more moisture goes into the pavement, it tends to, when it freezes, it's like your ice cube tray and it gets the ice cubes when they freeze, it expands. And the same thing happens under the pavement, so it breaks the pavement away.
10: Is it possible to fill all of the potholes?
11: Eventually we want them all filled, so in the summer when we can get into our construction season and the asphalt plants open, that's when we start to to permanently repair them.
10: How do you decide which potholes
11: to fill? Our main thoroughfares are the higher speed are the the ones we look at first due to the the speed on it and then we will look at uh, the 311 requests that come in for potholes.
10: Is it possible to get all the potholes filled on these main roads?
11: Yes, it's possible. This time it is kind of hard to keep up with it because of the freeze thaw. Two
10: men with shovels are scooping asphalt into a hole the size of a large serving plate. The asphalt falls out the back of a truck down this nifty slide. And after the men have the hole filled, one grabs this giant metal pole with a flat surface plate on the bottom to pat it down. There are two other men in the crew, one in the asphalt truck, another trailing behind it to make sure people stay out of the lane. So, how many does it take to fill a hole? Four, in this case, but Ken all right. Allen says they need all of them.
6: You get into some areas, there's many potholes, so it's not just a one pothole at a time, sometimes you get them in a cluster, or a group of potholes, and and you're filling, you know, five, ten potholes in a very short stretch. So, you know, have have the guys working together and getting them quick filled as quickly as we can. I patch potholes for 16 years yeah. on the work cruise, for sure. It's a job that you do every spring. When you patch a lot of potholes, you get to be quite proficient at doing it. It's satisfying work because you're making the roadway safer for everybody. So, uh, I think everyone appreciates it when the potholes get repaired.
10: Can we go back to Empress for a second? I mean, not literally, because I'm not sure my suspension can handle it. But a road in rough shape is less likely to get a permanent patch. Better to just scrap it all together, which the city is going to do this summer.
11: Depends on what the state of the roadway is itself. If it's a poor road, it may not be permanent. If it's a road in good condition, we're expecting that we do not have to go back.
10: By the way, the city says this pothole season is actually not that bad.
6: If you were to compare last year to this year, right now the conditions are quite favorable. Like, it's fairly dry. In terms of service requests to 311, I think the numbers are down this year. So, so far, Mother Nature has been somewhat cooperative.
10: So if there's a nice pothole, or two, or forty on your way to and from work, you might just have to be patient. Crews are trying, they'll get there, unless it's Empress. I'm just going to tear that thing right up. Christian O'Mel, Global News. You
0: know, Christian really clearly hates Empress, but it's not just Empress, that's for sure. I know that I was driving on Goulet the other day, and we had one of our listeners text us to to warn about the, the mother of all potholes, which was near Traverse, and he said, kiss your axle goodbye if you hit that pothole. And indeed, I made the mistake of riding in the, curb, the left curb lane on Goulet on Sunday night, and uh, the Super Mario Kart description is apt because I was bobbing and weaving all over the place. Did you nail it? uh, Well, that that one I almost did. Uh, It looks like maybe some work has already been done on it, but it's since popped open again. This was as of Sunday night, so I don't know what it's like this morning. But the whole left curb lane, right from when you go around and becomes Goulet
1: up to tache, was an adventure, so to speak. When we left the hockey game on Sunday night, we took Smith up to and through the exchange King Street and then over whatever that short little street is that takes you out onto Maine before you do the zigzag to go up to uh, Disraeli. Yeah. If you go straight through, you would go run right into the old monument of the old city hall on the Centennial Concert Hall and the Manitoba Museum property. I don't know what street that is. I, I, I don't know. That's James Street on the other side. Anyway, the bottom line is it was nothing but rocking and rolling back and forth. And I know we've made some some major inroads on a lot of our major routes in terms of our roads being a little bit better, but man, that's, that's one of the the, the toughest things about living here. Yeah. You know, when I go, when I go to California, Ah, uh, yeah, it's always in the back of my mind that the Mother Earth could just open up and swallow us all whole. But you know what? In the meantime, the roads are very smooth,
0: and some of the side streets as well. I mean, you heard in that report that the, of course, the primary focus has to be on the main roads, but some of the side streets are just horrible. Yesterday, Ridiculous. for example, I was on, I parked on Renfrew, just off of Corden, which is a couple of blocks east of Keniston. And the, uh, the street was like the surface of the moon because it's not just a, a, a residential street that's visited by a few people. It's still kind of a busy side street, so it's torn to shreds. And then just one block west of that, Lanark, off of Cordon, also uh, on the west side of Cordin, it's uh, it's like a war zone. Because that particular block leading up to, not as far as Grant, but there's a whole bunch of apartments along that street, uh, so it's very busy, and it's you You can't—I bet you, if you were to drive over 30 kilometers an hour, you'd be a- causing severe damage to your automobile.
1: Now, the surface of the moon wouldn't be a big deal if you and I and our vehicles were weightless like we are on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when you're driving 2,000 pounds of metal, rubber, and other composites, uh, it causes a little bit of an issue. <laughs> Time now for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. Today, we are visiting and honoured to have on the program Winnipeg Blue Bombers General Manager Kyle Walters. Good morning, Mr. Walters. Good morning, guys. Thanks for joining us on this uh, golden sunshine and blue sky day. It's uh, very apropos. Uh, terrific uh, for be warm out there. Yeah, we might actually uh, be able to get out and uh, chuck a football around. But that <laughs> weather certainly didn't stop anybody from getting footballs thrown around and kicked around during Mark CFL Week. What an incredible event, and kudos to your entire organization for putting on an event that, without question, put made Winnipeg proud.
5: Yeah. What a great event. The the CFL started this initiative, um, Last year, and, and instead of just having a combine where it's just the scouts and the, uh, the the university players show up and test and go home, they've kind of made it into a big event. And uh, it was uh, it was w- for the first one last year in Regina was great, and I think we've uh, we improved on it this year with the convention center, all the activities, and and we were down there a couple of days, and just uh, all the people around there and getting involved in football and, and seeing all the university players. It was uh, a great event and really good for these players to come into Winnipeg and see. how how uh, what a big deal the CFL is! It was great, great event.
0: Now you referenced the combine, the Canadian Football League's national combine wrapped up Sunday at the University of Winnipeg's Recplex. Recplex, pardon me. Now the 2018 uh, draft class said to be substantially deeper than last year. So how so, Mister Walters?
5: Yeah, I just think uh, I just think there's more quality good players i don't know the the interesting thing when you go through it all you know know, this week we'll just spend you have all these testing numbers and we've done all the film on the players and now you go back and look at all their testing numbers and watch their combine film and sort of piece it all together to 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 kind of put your rankings as you get going and uh your, your final rankings as we head into the draft in early may it's uh you know i don't i think you'll see in this draft position wise there's not a there's not a clear cut top guy in each position, but there's a few interesting prospects at each, each position. So that'll be the, uh, that'll be the challenge for teams over the next month is to sort of sift through and and rank uh, within those positions that the top three, four or five guys that they like. And I think, you know, I think every team's going to have them different this year. And I, uh, you know, I said on on Sunday, I think every, you know, there's everybody in the first two or three rounds is going to find a, find a two or three guys that they really like just because there is a, uh, there's some solid depth in this draft I don't know that the I don't know that there's um, the high high end talent maybe but but there's a lot of quality um, in that you know, the upper upper three rounds, I think.
1: What would lead to someone dramatically changing their position on your list, Kyle? Would it be their testing numbers this weekend? Did you get an opportunity to visit face to face with these young men? What what would alter your opinion dramatically over three days of testing?
5: Yeah, I guess I guess the two ways can alter it for, from a when you watch the film and it, it happens quite often that sometimes in um, a lot of, you know, certain positions like defensive back, for example, in, in the Canadian, you know, the Canadian uh, universities, sometimes these guys go through games and, and they don't have a lot of plays and you watch and they're just not, there's just not a lot of plays for them to be made. Um, so you're, you're kind of a question mark and, and maybe they don't do too much and then, and then they'll show up um, and they'll test through, you know, they'll test very well and you and hear them speak and it's uh, through, through, through maybe just the ability to, Opportunity to make plays throughout the course of the year, they didn't have any, and then um, you see the way they test and the way they carry themselves. And certainly, they um, they they shoot up in regards to how we how we grade them. And, and conversely, um, you'll see a player that that hustles and plays on film, and you really like the way he, uh, he 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 gives everything he's got. But when you see them in person, you know just just the height, rate speed is going to be really difficult for. Uh, For some of these players to compete at our level. So then you have to go back and reevaluate and probably knock them down a little bit. So it's the mesh of it's the mesh of the film work that that you see uh, combined with their base of athleticism because there is you know, they just do have to have that that some sort of an athletic base once they get up to our level to be able to compete.
0: Winnipeg Blue Bomber GM Kyle Walters is our guest. Breakfast with the Bombers over the weekend. It was the CFL's National Combine where GMs watched 50-plus prospects go through a whole bunch of drills. And Kyle, just looking at Ed Tate's article here at BlueBombers.com, and he points to Okanagan Sun slash Calgary Dinos receiver Rashawn Simonize. And you're quoted as saying, "You can tell he hasn't played football in a bit. He certainly looked a little rusty." So I'm just curious to know what's he been doing if he has been playing football for a bit.
5: Well, he that that, that young man has an interesting story, and and it's sort of you know within the football circles, it's well documented. He had uh, um, he had. Then he had failed out of University of Calgary and his, and then ended up on the Cincinnati Bengals practice roster. He tested positive for a performance-enhancing um, stimulant with the Bengals. Um, uh, he was on their practice roster, so his draft year last year got deferred, so he's in this year's draft. he kind of had been playing a little bit of junior football and, and kind of working and working out. So he's just, you know, he's two when you watch the University of Calgary film, uh, after his third year, he was he was um, phenomenal athlete, phenomenal football player. And then, you know, the, the question for CFL teams is is you know can you because he certainly wasn't the same player this weekend that that you saw in film from a couple of years ago. So it'll be um, can, is he able to get back to that? And if CFL team if a CFL team drafts him, so he has a uh, he has an interesting past and and but but certainly a raw raw set of a raw set of skills that that if you can. Uh, if you can motivate that young man and and get the most out of him, he's going to be a heck of a football player.
1: Kyle, would you be surprised to learn that your receivers in particular are very excited about the upcoming season? We spent some time with Darvin Adams, Adarius Bowman. I spent the afternoon with Weston Dressler on Friday. And to a man, they are beyond excited about the potential of this Blue Bomber offense.
5: Well, I think that's great. I think everybody, everybody around the team. They, now you get into the spring, and and you know the CSL, the CFL week kind of gets everybody thinking of football. And it just, uh, I mean, mini camp here is the end of April, so that's right around the corner, which will get sort of that next, uh, the next group of of young players up here in Winnipeg running around, so we can evaluate and see who actually gets the invite to training camp, and then two weeks later at training camp. So I think uh, it's the time of year that that everybody, no, you know, no matter what team you're on. Uh, every, everybody's undefeated at this time of year and all the players are excited to get going and it's uh, it's just the time of year it gets everybody excited about football.
0: Winnipeg Blue Bomber GM Kyle Walters, thank you for joining us this morning.
5: My pleasure, guys. Anytime.
0: Breakfast with the Bombers brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you.
3: One, two, three...
0: Three things with Chanelie Vidal. Today it is three things that have to do with the Facebook privacy scandal. And Shanelie, I don't know if you pay attention to this crawl that we have on our computer screen, just to quickly let the listeners know. We have this ticker, kind of like you're watching CNN. Well, this is our newswire. And I would say there is always a Facebook story present on this ticker, no matter what time of day. This is a big, big, big story. it's
9: it's it, it's a huge thing, and it's not not really gonna be going away anytime soon. It's, and it has a lot of people rethinking how they're using social media. In fact, just this morning, I noticed, oh, this one person is not my friend anymore on Facebook because I said, you know, add them as friend. and and I, and then I'm like, They unfriended me, and then I see they posted, nope, didn't unfriend anyone, made a fresh account because I had privacy. Uh, You know, I was a little Mm. concerned, so I just wanted to start fresh.
0: I think I know who you're talking about.
9: Yeah, yeah. Just
1: say hey to RTB, and that's that. A common friend, obviously. So, you know, what are some things we should be thinking about? I know you've got a list of three things here Mm -hmm. we should be thinking about if we're, we're contemplating that breakup. With Facebook, maybe justifying it or how we should go about it.
9: Well, if you wanna, if you wanna break up with Facebook, uh, first thing I want to tell you about is there are a number of people who are really reconsidering that that uh, that that scandal. Like that's really got people just uh, second guessing all of this and thinking about like, okay, should I really be posting pictures of my kids? On on that, you know, I'm I'm a little I'm a little nervous. So an Angus Reid survey actually suggests one in ten plan to abandon the platform, and that nearly three quarters of Facebook users intend to make at least some change to how they use it. We can already see that starting to happen amongst our our friends. Now the poll was, uh, the course of course, the poll was taken following a Canadian whistleblower's claim that the data mining from Cambridge Analytica lifted the Facebook profiles of more than 50 million users without their permission in order to influence election so if you're planning on breaking up with facebook number two uh what are you gonna do how do you break up do you just shut down your account what about all your photos and your who are your friends because i know sometimes it's hard to remember who we're friends with i have 400 or 685 friends on my facebook list right now okay I, i can't name all of them without looking at the list
1: can you can you even remember where you met and how you know each and yes. every one of them? Oh, oh yes. Oh okay. yes.
9: Oh yes, I can indeed. I don't I don't just friend I don't friend strange people whom I I or, have no idea who they are.
1: I was going to say, I'm sure there are lots of strange people <laughs> you have that are our friends. I know I do. But uh, how do we how do we capture this information that truly and rightfully belongs to us before we break up?
9: So it's actually really easy. So you don't want to shut down your account, first of all. OK, you want to go. This is better done on, on like a full real computer rather than just your phone. So you're going to click on the settings button in the upper right hand corner. You're going to find something that says download a copy of your Facebook. Facebook data. What's that? Well, that is all of the information that Facebook has on you. Your friends list, your photos, your videos, uh, what groups you've been in, uh, uh, all th- all that kind of stuff. Everything since you've joined Facebook however many years ago. Wow. Yeah. Oh, God. So download it. So it's going to be a huge file. That's why you don't want to download it on your phone. You want to make Makes sure sense. you download it to a computer with lots and lots of space uh, even your status updates are actually going to be on there, and so so you have that you have that in a in a safe spot and even if you 're maybe not thinking of giving up facebook for good it 's not a bad idea to download that information because a lot of us hold our memories there now it 's keeping track of things has changed so much in the past ten years because of facebook we don 't have photo albums anymore like a lot of us don 't have the real uh, uh, aren 't printing off pictures
1: well a lot of people put that picture straight to Facebook, right? They're not even necessarily saving it anywhere. The only place it may actually be stored is on Facebook. So uh, you bring up a really good point. And uh, I didn't realize that you could even do that. So that is huge. What's what's happening in uh, the UK?
9: Well, in the UK, okay, I mentioned that Canadian whistleblower uh, who blew the lid off that privacy debacle. Well, now he is casting doubt on the UK's 2016 Brexit referendum. So, Christopher Wiley told a British parliamentary committee that campaign consultants may have broken spending rules in the vote, which narrowly called for the country to pull out of the European Union. And of course, of course, they're starting to make the, the starting to do the process of pulling out of the European Union as I speak. He says the pro Brexit vote Leave campaign disguised payments to the British Columbia-based marketing company Aggregate IQ as a comp- contribution to a student. Organization Aggregate IQ has been linked to Cambridge Analytica, of boy, course, oh which is <laughs> which is accused of mishandling Facebook user data in helping Donald Trump's U.S. presidential campaign. I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about all how how deep this is this is going.
1: Yeah, yeah, you, ha- you really have to wonder. Uh, I'm wondering if. Christopher Wiley is going to become Canada's Edward Snowden. Mm -hmm. Uh, He seems to be being welcomed, and his whistleblowing seems to be welcomed versus him being uh, cast aside and and being uh, branded an outsider. So that's the good thing that he is uh, being listened to and taken seriously. Absolutely,
9: and I think the thing is we're we're looking for we're looking. For answers, because a lot of times we do. We see those targeted ads. We go to a website and then we see, oh, that website I was just looking at, now it's targeting me on Facebook. So we know there's something mysterious going on behind the scenes. If
1: it feels like Facebook is reading your mind, it's not reading your mind, but it is reading some part of your data that's giving them a hint on how they should be targeting you. And that alone can be a little bit startling.
9: Exactly. Oh, and one creepy thing that Facebook does, uh, I had a friend that I haven't seen for a while, had her over, took some pictures, posted them to Facebook on my phone. Yes. Didn't tag her yet. I I was right about to tag her. Facebook had pre-tagged her. Facebook identified her facial features, uh, maybe because I had her tagged in previous photos. I'm kind of creeped out.
0: So you don't just find that convenient and did it for you?
9: Well, of course it is convenient because I am very lazy, but I I found it more more so creepy.
1: (laughs) I think that's how we got here. We had the idea that this would be more convenient to just say, I accept and not to go through the terms and conditions of these things. And we go, yeah, I accept. I think we're going to be reading a lot more before we click those things henceforth. Thank you, Shanelie. TV taking us back a little bit tonight. Roseanne, as you just heard with Jeff Braun. Coming back on the heels of the return of Will and Grace. Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling with you, of course. Jeff Braun and Brett McGarry, the Couch Potatoes. Brett, you're more the TV guy on the Couch Potatoes. What TV show would you like to see come back?
0: I think I'd like to see Seinfeld come back. We already saw it, sort of, in Curb Your Enthusiasm when they rebooted Seinfeld on that show or when they had a reunion on that show. So it was a reunion, sort of. It was, it was a good workaround because Jerry Seinfeld has always been adamant that they got out at the right time. He certainly doesn't need any more money from it. Nope. And nope. Uh, I, I respect that the people involved want to leave well enough alone because sometimes when you go back to the well, it can kind of tarnish what was left beforehand. Now, in, Will, in the case of Will and Grace, it has worked very well. They've already, NBC's already renewed it for a second and a third season. And they were able to get away with it. I think because with comedy, audiences are more forgiving. Will and Grace ended with the, Will and Grace each getting married separately and having
1: kids. How did they deal with that in the reboot?
0: I think they they blew it off in one line of dialogue. I, I can't remember what it was, but I think it was I don't know if it was a dream sequence or if they just blew it off as like, as. Uh, I thought you guys were married with kids, and then then someone says, "What? What are you? What kind of drugs are you taking right now?"
1: They just they they just blow it off in one line. Yeah. They tossed out basically the last season yeah. of storyline of the of the program that obviously people have fallen in love with. This whole Roseanne thing—they've got a similar situation, right? Because didn't didn't they win the lottery, yeah. and and didn't Dan? die? Yep. (laughs) Okay. Actually, if you
0: go to Google and you type in Roseanne didn't Dan- <laughs> it
1: auto-fills and it? Auto- it <laughs> auto-fills. All I, I didn't even
0: finish typing didn't, and it finishes, didn't Dan die? Yeah, he dies. And it looks like they have found sort of a creative, funny, similar blow off fashion. I right. realize that's not a word. Blow-off-y. But uh, they, because it's comedy, people just want to see their characters... Come back if they, as long as the writing is good and, and the whole cast is back. They've got the whole cast to come back. So everyone Aren't is both on board.
10: Becky's
1: coming? are they going to somehow use both Becky's? Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're both
0: there. So everyone has returned. So they found a way to do it. So. I think, yeah, I would would be okay with Seinfeld if they did it properly, if Larry David was involved in that creative process, because once he ultimately finally did leave, he threatened to leave all the time. When he finally did leave, I think Seinfeld got a little weird. So, yeah, I'd be okay with him coming back. I would also like to see 24 come back, provided Kiefer Sutherland is involved as Jack Bauer, to find some way to resolve his storyline in a positive way once and for all because It didn't end so well for him, but they tried that 24 Legacy spinoff, which was a complete failure. So, yeah, those are the two shows Seinfeld 24.
1: 204 68 68. If you'd like to let us know which TV series deserves a reboot, does this reboot to 1976 make sense for Portage and Maine? The first plans are in place to begin opening up Portage and Maine. To pedestrian traffic, the iconic intersection has been the center of controversy as the mayor looks to remove those barricades and open up Portage and Main to both drivers and pedestrians. Global News reporter Kevin Hirschfield tells us more.
4: Every day, more than 77,000 vehicles cross the landmark intersection. The number of pedestrians making the same crossing? Zero. But Mayor Brian Bowman wants to fulfill a 2014 campaign promise to reopen the intersection to foot traffic. And now there's a rough timeline. As the Richardson building commences their improvements this spring, they'll be the first to remove barriers at the iconic intersection. The Richardson Center says their plan to renew their plaza is a two year process, and they are working with the city to include the sidewalks at the Richardson Center quarter of Portage and Main into the design. The city confirms once the barriers at the Richardson Plaza have been removed, the next to go would be the barricades on the southeast corner of the intersection in front of the Bank of Montreal building, making the shortest pedestrian connection possible. But there's no projected timeline for that step in the $11 million project. The owners of 201 Portage say they haven't been given a timeline about when the barricades on the northwest corner will be removed. And while the mayor says the opening of Portage and Maine has been a long time coming, we had passionate discussions with all property owners and representatives of Portage and maine for the first time in 40 years. It appears the wait will still be a while longer. Kevin Hirschfield, Global News. Now,
1: uh, never mind the concourse. I know we discussed uh, the prospect of opening and reopening Portage and maine to pedestrians on uh, Monday, but. Never mind the concourse and the state of disrepair and and how dated it is. the barricades themselves, I was watching Kevin's story, Brett, and the barricades themselves have rebar that's exposed. the concrete <laughs> is crumbling. Yeah. you know the sewer drains attached and underneath you've got warping and and uh, bowed and sunken concrete and asphalt. like the, the intersection itself is in a horrendous state of disrepair. It, it's it's UGly. You ain't got no alibi, you ugly.
0: How how can you tell that I really do want Seidfeld to come back? Whenever I hear state of disrepair, all I can think of is when Jerry visits Newman to find out if he's got the fleas, and Newman tries to pass it off like he's not, and he says, perhaps your home is in a state of
1: disrepair. Perhaps you live in squalor. (laughs) Squalor. Great word, by the way. (laughs) Like... Yeah, and Richardson's are going to redo uh, the plaza outside their building, and it's it's the highlight of Portage in Maine. Yeah. They've already got those uh, Leo Moll scu- sculptures uh, of all the corners. That one is the one that has been taken care of the most. It's the one with the most... Area The most space for people when the Jets and the Oilers announced that they were going to be playing in the Heritage Classic, they put two or 3,000 people on that northwest corner for the announcement. They had a stage there set up. Uh, it was a spectacular spot. And outside of the beautiful statue of the World War One soldier that stands in front of BMO, uh, that is uh, by far the most beautiful spot on uh, Portage and Maine, So the fact that uh, they're going to be sprucing that up even more, I have to believe that's going to put some pressure on the other property owners at the other three corners to step up to the plate.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a few years yet, but the process is going to begin soon. And Rui says, this topic makes my blood boil. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Maine should never be open to people, period. You can let us know what you think.
12: 204-780-6868. I'm a real wild one.
2: wild one. Wild one.
12: Wild one. Wild one. You might even call me the naughty ranger. I, I may or may not have talked to an owl in my time. <laughs> we are built a little bit differently than a goose. I'm not sure they were using woodchucks over there. You wake up for a little bit, you maybe hit up the washroom, have a snack, go back to sleep. There are confused angry muskrat teens sometimes. We can use our big human brains to realize that they're just sort of angry at the world and thinking about their family right now. I smell burning
1: nuts. <laughs> yeah. You may have noticed that uh, geese are starting to make their way back to southern Manitoba, which... Well, we'll find out whether or not for sure it's a sure sign of spring. Uh, Brett and I are of the mind that it is a sure sign of spring to talk about this and other local wildlife issues of interest. Barrett Miller, wildlife expert, expert from Fort Wide Alive is here. And Barrett, I'm surprised you can get away today with spring break. You guys must be crazy busy over it, at Fort White uh, Alive. It's
12: a great day to visit. Sun's up. Uh, we've got our spring camp in full swing. And a uh, big shout out to my co-workers who are looking after things, literally holding the fort down so I can be here on the radio this morning.
0: <laughs> What's the, What does a spring camp entail?
12: Uh Different days, different themes. Uh, today is the voyageur theme thing, so just if you didn't get enough fur trade uh, fun back in February with Festival, um, the kids are pretending to actually go out and explore the forest. Well, they're actually exploring the forest. They're pretending to be voyageurs looking to trade furs, um, playing some traditional Manitoba games. It'll be tons of fun. Tomorrow, it's all about what's going on with the snow and the melt and migration and capping things off Thursday with the Survivor Day. How to build a fire, how to build a shelter, how to have fun and look after yourself in the outdoors. That
1: sounds fun. It sure does. So is it overly simplistic to suggest that the arrival of geese is a sure sign of spring? (laughs)
12: Uh, Unfortunately, yeah. Um, Geese are just looking for open water. Now, the geese that we have back, we've had some southern winds over the last two weeks off and on. And that started to bring the geese back. The subspecies that we're seeing come back first is the one that spends the most time here and migrates the shortest distance, the giant Canada goose. And they really are big. Like, if you stand next to one, they're, you know, geese. So don't walk up to them and try this. But if you did, they'd be about up to your knees, maybe a little higher. They're big birds. fair to call them big honking geese. Big honking geese, in fact. And uh, they don't migrate far. They only go as far south as they need to find open water. So, good. where could where might that be? Oh, like southern South Dakota, parts of Minnesota, Iowa. Really, for a bird that size with a good tailwind, a day is flying. Um, they don't wow. really need, yeah, they really don't need to stock up. Um, there are little geese. There are geese that go from Hudson Bay to the Gulf of Mexico. They migrate through the city on their way south and north. That's pretty epic. Unfortunately, the giant Canada, a little bit less epic than maybe we want to believe. Okay. Um, I'm sure that you guys have. I know that I have. You can drive to Fargo or Minneapolis in a day.
1: Oh, easy peasy. Yeah. Yeah. Waterton, South Dakota. Yeah, exactly, right? Sioux Falls, that's easy. Yeah. So
12: if you're only going to Sioux Falls, and you know, I don't know how word spreads in the goose community. Um <laughs> well, why don't you know? Well I was gonna say maybe well, that's the, why we brought you here. Why I, don't you know? I, I deleted my Goose Twitter app over <laughs> privacy concerns. <laughs> Topical. (laughs) Anyway, um, I don't know how word spreads, but word spreads. There's open water in Winnipeg. There's a south wind. It's like, okay, let's go. Let's get there first and get the good nesting sites. Um, They get here and they find out that, oh, well, that's not quite true. Maybe, you know, goose tourism was promoting things too uh, heavily.
1: (laughs) Fake news.
12: Yeah. It's all sold out. They turn around, wait for a north wind, and they'll actually go south again. They'll go back. They will. It doesn't mean spring's canceled. It just means that... Well, wow. I can't get a room in Winnipeg right now. This isn't all it was cracked up to be. You know what? It's only a day. Yeah, we're tired, but let's turn around and go back.
0: Well, I remember last year um, when we uh, when I used to walk to work, I would cross the Assiniboine. And there's a, mm-hmm. that footbridge uh, yep. that goes from River Heights over to the Wolseley side. And there was a, we had a stretch where I think it warmed up and then cooled off mm-hmm. again. And I would look in the Assiniboine and there'd be these geese mm-hmm. kind of hanging out on top of the, the river looking yep. rather confused and
12: frozen. Mm-hmm. And um, they probably they might have even tried to winter it out. They might have actually tried to stay here all winter long because of that open water. Okay. Um, those ones are a little bit less likely to go away, but, you know, they'd probably have that option if it gets really bad. So the arrival of the first goose is always exciting. The arrival of the first couple geese, it's a sign that spring is on the way. It does It's not a sure lock. If you're looking for a sure lock on spring, wait until you see. Something like an insect-eating bird. If, you, if it's like small, colorful, and yellow, a little warbler or something, they need to eat bugs. They need to eat freshly hatching bugs, which sort of means that we're not going to get more than one or two frosty nights in a row. Um, when I see my first warbler of the year, usually around the
1: first week of May, that's, for me... We're here. Spring has arrived. So does that mean the warblers are smarter than geese or the insects are smarter than geese?
12: Um, well, geese are tough. I'm not necessarily sure they're all that terribly intelligent. Right.
1: I might give both the bugs and the warblers the uh, the win there. I know you seemed hesitant to throw the geese under the bus and well, that's I appreciate that. Well, because they're so that. tough and uh, yeah, I don't want to be listening. <laughs> 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 What's this nocturnal owl survey that's underway? Well, this
12: is something that's kind of cool. Um Since 1991, volunteer citizen scientists, and that's a grandiose term for people who want to get out and help understand our ecology a little bit better, have been going out into rural Manitoba and half an hour after sunset on a defined route, stopping and listening to find out what kind of owls are living in the area. Owls nest really early. The great horned owl probably has little ones out there already. Their food doesn't go away for the winter. They eat little mammals, other songbirds, so they don't really need to worry about the cold. When they're on the nest, they're kind of vocal. When owls migrate, they're kind of vocal. So you can actually, by listening, understand who, no pun intended, who's in the area (laughs) and who's moving through, and therefore give us a handle on what's owl habitat, what's not, and what are our numbers like. So there's about 70 teams now, uh, working together from about March 15th to about April 15th, depending on the weather, to understand better how many and what kind of owls are present in Manitoba. Are so, you on one of these teams? I am on one of those teams. Uh, my route is up in south or up eastern Manitoba. It's a nice mix of farm and Canadian shield country. So quite the variety. Yep. And uh, yeah, last year was a good year. We heard lots. So, What did they sound like? That's a good question. So um, the classic, and I believe that some of this is already in the intro, but the classic one that we all think of, the great horned owl. That's your great horned owl. Um, that's our most common owl. One of the biggest, one of the easiest to spot. Uh, I live in Sargent Park, and there's one that hangs out sort of in the, like right by the Cindy and rec center. So they're right in the city. Um, the most mysterious one, and this is when I guarantee that anybody who's been at the cottage in the evening or out camping in the White Shell has heard and sort of, wonder what that is in the bush.
1: That's an owl?
12: That's a saw-wet owl, yeah. Wow. We uh, ran into a fellow on the road outside of his uh, farm property last year, and he was a little bit nervous because uh, he'd seen a lot of traffic up and down his road, and We'd seen a lot of traffic up and down the road, and all of a sudden there was this weird sound in the, from the bushes by his place, and we were able to tell him, nope, that's just your sawwit owls migrating through, nothing to be worried about, perfectly natural, you got sawwits, congratulations.
0: We got to wrap it up here, but very quickly, Earth Day at Fort White coming up.
12: Yeah, April 22nd, Sunday, a uh, big free day. If you've never been to Fort White, it's a great chance to check things out. Lots of different options for entertainment. Lots of different options for finding out how you can green up your uh, springtime at home. Lots of fun. So April 22nd, mark the calendars.
0: Barrett Miller, wildlife expert from Fort White Alive. The spring break camp is on this week. Barrett, thanks for joining us. Lots of text messages after our interview with Barrett Miller from Fort White Alive. Wildlife expert. Uh, We got a text here from Murray who says, what about gophers? Saw one yesterday. We were talking about the return of geese. Uh, Murray was talking about the nocturnal owl survey. Landon says, I have seen two owls on the same rural road just this morning. One, a small snowy owl, pure white, That's cool. And another mostly white with some brown flecks. So thank you for that, Landon. Uh, You can text us anytime, 204-780-6868. And you can email us anytime, brett at cjob.com or gmac at cjob.com, as has done Dennis this morning in a hilarious note to both of us.
1: It starts like this. Morning, guys. Reboot score. Portage and Main 1. Seinfeld nothing in over time yes yes bring down the wall like a winter peg spring this will bring us all a breath of fresh portage and main air but no keep Seinfeld as we remember it in the untouchable pantheons of comedy
0: because I was suggesting if there was a show I would like to see more of it would probably
1: be Seinfeld but I'm also happy to
0: leave it as it is uh and not stain it, but he says, P.S. Brett, nice you quoted Newman. Because I, I I said, uh, perhaps your home is in a state of disrepair. Maybe you live in squalor. So he says, nice you quoted Newman from what I consider the all-time best slash perfect Seinfeld episode. The Mackinac Peaches, Jerry! The Mackinac Peaches! It didn't get any better. And rather than me try to, you know what, continue to impersonate the episode, how about we just do this.
10: Well, they're in! What's it The
6: Mackinac Peaches, Jerry! The Mackinac Peaches!
7: <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, the ones
1: uh, from Oregon that are only ripe for two weeks yeah, a year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah, I
1: split a taste with Newman. I wait all year for this. Oh, <laughs> this is fantastic.
6: <laughs> Make your sure taste buds come alive. It's like having a circus in your mouth. <laughs>
0: It's hard, Dennis, it's hard to argue with There certainly is one of the best The Mackinac Peaches is easily one of the most I think uh, one of the, the first things people might think of When it comes to Seinfeld uh, like the the ma- the master of your domain, uh, so as far as imagery goes, I always think of that stupid giant lollipop that Kramer, the reverse episode, you know, the, where the lollipop kept getting bigger as the episode went along, and uh, the Mackinac peaches, of course, that's just iconic Seinfeld. So, uh, I think great Kenny,
1: note. Kenny Rogers, I think, is my favorite. The, the Kenny Rogers chicken. Kenny Rogers chicken. Uh, Jerry, it's, it's Seth, right? Jerry's friend, Seth. It's not fast food, Jerry. It's high quality food served quickly. <laughs> and as someone who worked in the restaurant business, I really dug that definition of quote unquote fast food. And of course, we had a Kenny Rogers Roasters in Winnipeg for a very brief period of time yes. on Portage Avenue. I think it's uh, it's a big and tall shop now in the old A&W Coffee Shop at the corner of Spruce And Portage Avenue. okay. I think there was one on Nairn too. Oh, was there? Which I now believe is a chicken chef. Well, there you go. I didn't realize it didn't get out there back in in those days. Going way back, that location uh, between Spruce and Clifton on Portage Avenue had two A&Ws on that same property. There was the A&W Coffee Shop, which was a sit-down. They actually served the burgers and fries and everything on plates, and you got cutlery. It was a sit-down restaurant. That and was then, an A&W? Yeah, and then on the other side of the parking lot was the A&W Townhouse, which was more of a traditional A&W where you went in and you ordered and you got things served in uh, baskets and or uh, just wrapped the way they traditionally wrap uh, things. So that, that's going way, way back to A&W. <laughs> wow. Two A&Ws on one piece of property uh, back in the day. So uh, thanks very much for that, Dennis. Uh, really appreciate the email. You can always email us. We would love the interaction. gmac at cjob.com, brett at cjob.com. And you don't have to be nearly as friendly as Dennis. We welcome all interaction with our, uh, with our friends out there.
0: And it sounds like this guy at least was mistaken for being unfriendly A waiter from Vancouver is taking his former employer to the B.C. Human Rights Tribunal. Oh, boy. The restaurant says he was too aggressive. But as Global National's Robin Gill reports, the server says he was just too French-
10: And you wanted buttered, honey, or dry like your
4: personality?
3: (laughs) I like the look two slutty librarians is in now. Get the check, get the hell out of here. At Vancouver's Elbow Room, they dish up sarcasm and abuse. But customers know it's part of the shtick. I like to make sure that the customer is always feeling welcomed. But a server at Milestones was fired for being abusive. The company admits Guillaume Ray was good at his job and nice to customers. But when it came to his co-workers, not so much. Now, Ray is taking his fight to the BC Human Rights Tribunal, arguing he was just too French.
0: He was saying, I'm French, and this is how I speak. And you just didn't understand that I wasn't being aggressive, I wasn't yelling. That's just how French people speak.
10: There's
3: the stereotype of the French waiter. And Ray says that's clouding his former employer's judgment. So, what do customers think? Is it possible to be too French?
8: No, it's not possible to be too anything.
3: I've known French people to be
11: aggressive a little bit, but it's not offensive to me.
3: Au contraire, says this couple from Paris. They say servers back home aren't nice at all. Uh, It could be better. It could be better. Even in France? Yeah, it's better here. But this French waiter is facing an uphill battle. The company says he violated the code of conduct.
0: The server and the manager say he was berating and yelling at them. And he says, no, that wasn't the case. That was, they were just misinterpreting that because of my French culture. Uh, that's going to be a real he said, she said sort of thing.
3: Guys, what's the soup today? There's always a chance he could get a gig here. It's not necessarily
4: what you say, it's it's how you present yourself and uh, the way that you make people feel at the end of the day.
3: For some reason, this kind of abuse works. Here anyway. Okay, Pablo, it's time to go. Robin Gill, Global (laughs) News, Vancouver.
0: (laughs) I know that, so they referenced that restaurant in Vancouver, Elbow Room, I think they said the name was. And there is a chain of restaurants. You referenced it earlier in Texas, Greg. And uh, funnily enough, we were both Googling it at the same time. And I said the name to it. The name of the place to you, just as you had found it as well. What's it called? Well, I wanted
1: to make sure, uh, Dick's Last Resort. And uh, my brother and I had been there in uh, Dallas back in 2001, and we had a hoot there. We absolutely loved going. When we owned our restaurant in Vernon, B.C., we had a little bit of a gig where everybody was named Tony. We had an Italian restaurant, and everyone was named Tony, but we spelt Tony different in a variety of different ways. (laughs) And uh, in fact, I used to voice the radio commercials out there. Once upon a time and when the staff at the radio station found out it was all just a a gig they were angry <laughs> You mean you guys aren't all really named Tony No, it's just part of the (laughs) shtick. And we used to get a little bit lippy with our customers back and forth as well, but nothing better. And Kelly Moore, I know, has been there. There's a restaurant in Kamloops that's so busy on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday nights that if you get there after a certain time, if you want a table, you've got to bus it yourself. Really? Oh, yes. The owner will hand you a bus tub and a cloth and say, that one's available over there if you want to go sit down. Clean it yourself. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> clearly, this is a little bit of a different situation, right? Yeah. This guy was a little bit of an arse behind the scenes, as opposed to having fun with his with his customers. So I think it's going to be a, a tough uh, road to hoe for the for this guy. The the really human rights tribunal. Didn't yeah, break. I know nine
0: fifteen on six eighty CJOB. Just looking up at uh, the Global National Morning Show
1: and uh, soap opera royalty, Nikki. And Jack Abbott. That's right. Young Nikki, and Restless. N- Nikki, Nikki is uh, Nikki Newman again. Yeah, I couldn't remember what uh, yeah, her who, last name was. Well, she was Nikki Abbott for a little while because her and Jack were married. Oh, okay. And then, uh, I mean, if you want to get back at your arch enemy, the best thing to do is marry his ex-wife. Yep. And so, uh, of course, that's been a storyline. And Jack and Nikki have flirted with getting back <laughs> together again over the bl- past season or so. But now Nikki and Victor are, are firmly entrenched in one another's lives one more time. It's the 40th 45th anniversary of Young and the Restless. Wow. And I guess I've been watching it for a solid 38 or 39 of those 45 years.
0: Jerry, who won today's passes? Who won the tickets? Don Russell. Don Russell. Congratulations, Don Russell. Don knew that the state in which the Mackinac Peaches come from, Mm. according to Jerry Seinfeld, Mm -hmm. is Oregon. When he said, oh, are those the peaches that come from Oregon that are only ripe for two weeks a year? And when I Googled Mackinac peaches, I learned apparently they're fictional. I figured they were for sure a thing. They're probably based on something, right? I mean, I remember trying to find pomegranate uh, at various times in the year, and apparently those are only good or only ripe at a specific time of year. So there are fruits that you can only get here and there on an annual
1: basis. What's that fruit that you... Is it dragon fruit that you like?
0: Yes, I do like dragon fruit.
1: I was watching, you know, on HGTV, and uh, uh, we have an exciting interview coming up next week that I think we're doing today. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's as much as we're going to give you. Uh, We'll leave you hanging on the edge of your seat. One of those HGTV series where they uh, like, uh, uh, buying a home in paradise or something like that, home finders or something. And these people were looking for a place in Mexico where they could start a dragon fruit farm. Oh, nice. And I actually saw the plants. They are spectacular. They kind of windy, you know, those big guy blow up guys that they have at the used car dealerships. <laughs> <laughs> the flappy arms. Yeah. It kinda, they kind of, they kind of look like that, but with multiple tentacles. And, uh, so the dragon fruit plant is 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 very kind of cool. So yeah. I still won't eat one. Why not? <sighs> I don't know. What
7: do
0: they taste like? They actually taste kind of n- like nothing, really, really? They're sort of bland, but I, I enjoy. Them. I like them because they're refreshing. They're super refreshing and they're good for you. And honestly, just visually, I enjoy them because w- from the outside of, the dragon fruit, you've probably seen them at the grocery store. It's a predominantly pink. Shell, but it has green leaves on it, and then when you cut it open, the uh, the fruit itself is is mostly white with these little black seeds. It's kind of uh, similar, I think, to a kiwi, in in appearance and in uh, texture. And then the, the shell, like the inside of the shell, it actually looks kind of like a, it's very bright pink. It's like a stargazer lily, you know, those lilies with the big explosive pink. It's I didn't just not know a very- you
1: are a horticulturalist as well. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. It's just a very
0: colorful fruit that I enjoy. Uh, you know, it's it, I, as far as an experience goes, it's fun and it's good for you. Not the tastiest. It's not bad. It's just kind of... It's just kind of flat,
1: kind of there. Yeah. Okay.
0: But it's refreshing and like okay. I said, next time
1: it. we bring it, I will try it. And I know you bring that stuff predominantly in the summer. Can I take you back to July 28th last summer? Yes. Ann Patman from 313 Farms in Anola joined us for our afternoon show at that time, and she came on the air to discuss with us. Alpaca dance classes. Now, this is not dance classes for
4: alpacas,
1: (laughs) but Zumba and dance classes amongst the llama-like animals happening just outside Winnipeg at 313 or 313 Farms in Enola. Yesterday morning, I wake up to this tweet. Wow. 313 Farms made it to websites all around the world, and today... It's the Wall Street Journal, and it all started with 680CJOB, Mackling, and McGarry. Thanks, guys. Look at so, that. So right back at you, Annie, and everyone at uh, at uh, 313 Farms out in Anola. Very exciting and uh, so cool to know that you're getting some recognition for something that's so very unique. Yeah, this past weekend, her story found its way to the Wall Street
0: Journal. So here's a story from that ran in July. It ran July 27-28 last year from our Global News colleague, Amber McGookin, on the alpacas and Ann Patman.
2: These
9: alpacas don't live on a typical farm. Uh, uh, uh. Their field doubles as a dance floor. It's really fun. Uh, It's outdoors and the alpacas come right up to you while you're dancing and they're very curious and the kids love it. 313 Farms in Enola started alpaca dance classes this summer to give people the chance to get up close with the animals.
7: Moms, dads, little ones come out, just learn about music, learn about animals, get outside, get away from the TV and uh, get a little workout at the same time.
9: The farm started with three alpacas in 2012, but now there are nine of them.
7: The alpacas are super friendly. They don't bite. Um, They're very curious about people uh, without being too intrusive. So they're really nice to be along with.
9: There are six different classes running all summer long, including hip-hop, cardio, and Mommy and Me. It's great I can bring both kids with me. They're both involved, um, him up in this. And uh, my five-year-old, she runs around and dances and everything, so it's they're both involved. There's not many things you can do where both can be involved. You can expect to have some fun. Uh, to dress accordingly would be important. And then uh, just to be open-minded because the alpacas are around and it's it's very unique experience. Working out and having fun on the farm.
11: Amber McGookin, Global News.
0: Now, as Greg mentioned, Anne Patman did pay us a visit. She came to visit us on Friday, July 28th last year at Patio Palooza at Santa Lucia Pizza on St. Mary's. I always get them mixed up. St. Mary's downtown, St. Mary's,
1: St. Mary's Road, St. Yes. Mary Avenue.
0: Yeah, because I remember last year I was there was one show in particular where I kept calling it St. Mary, and I had them, I had them reversed. I always get those reversed. <laughs> uh, where,
1: where are we going to do a show on a patio at six in the morning this summer? Uh, Six till ten. There's, we'd probably
0: have to leave the country, I would imagine, oh. to find a place that's open all night. <laughs>
1: Stella's on the <laughs> roof on Pimmin Highway, just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Breakfast patio palooza. Yeah, Look yeah. at
0: that. We digress. So we spoke to Anne, she came to visit us, and uh, just pulled a couple of clips from that interview. And uh, she first told us how she ended up here, because she's not from Manitoba.
7: When my husband and I got married, we moved to Calgary for a couple of years. We didn't really like it and we found out about alpacas. We wanted to get some, so we moved here to Manitoba to get some land and to get some boys.
0: From Detroit, by the way. And Patman then also explained how much the alpacas are involved in the whole process of the dancing with the alpacas
7: well they don't climb on your backs it's uh <laughs> definitely not intrusive like that but they will walk around in between the people um the mommy and me class that we have we involve the the dances and the activities with the alpacas so the kids will walk by and you know pet them take pictures with them um Actually, our last uh, hip-hop class that we had, one of the boys was standing next to the teacher, so it looked like he was helping teach the class. I
1: love <laughs> Ann's accent or Michigan accent, Canada and alpacas, Manitoba. <laughs> Just love that little YA in the middle of uh, of Manitoba. It's fantastic. Ann Patman, congratulations on this. We will uh, track down. We were trying to track her down today, maybe enjoying some well-deserved time off. And in the meantime, someone sent us a tech... Text message, goat yoga kid cam, check it out. And uh, I think that was part of the reference that Ann was making about the alpacas don't climb on your back. Yeah. Because there is the goat yoga and the cat and dog yoga where the animals will actually climb on top of you when you're performing your yoga poses. Yeah. That's at uh, 10
0: acres, 10 acre woods, pardon me, in Enola, also in Enola, actually. Yeah. That's, I think that's one of the first things I saw because I remember seeing someone posting on Instagram that they went to do this goat yoga, and when they were in one of the awkward yoga poses, and I, I say awkward because for me, it would be very painful Standing
1: would be yeah. the most... Uh, first
0: yeah. Brett, Brett, hold, lift one leg. Position oh, one. This hurts. But, uh, so this person was folded in like a... Was it downward dog? Sure, I don't know. Let's but there was, a, there was a goat on her back, yeah. and it just looked really cute. <laughs> so... Uh, So I think that, uh, so yeah, you can do all sorts of fun stuff with animals in Enola. 945 on 680 CJOB. Question of the day at CJOB.com. Have you tried a rideshare service yet? Yes or no? Question of the day for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. Get two quotes before you call them. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204 832 6243. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass Jerry and Channel E. Vidal. And thank you for listening to CJOB.